We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience Rocket Mortgage Classic. I thought it was open. Apparently it's classic. DraftKings picks and preview. Joining me to break this all down. We're going to bring him in right away because he's got something to tell you. Now out on his own, it is Rick Gaiman from DFSOnDemand.com. Rick, tell everyone about DFSOnDemand.com and what you're doing. Yeah, that's right. So Pat, what you kind of alluded to is this is now my full-time job. So DFS On Demand. Uh, heavily focused on the PGA tour and golf tools will be, I say wool, it's me. It's literally just me. Um, I'll be pumping a ton of uh, more content and updating our, our tools uh, moving forward. So super excited about it. Uh, super stoked to really dive in. This is yeah, day like six of it being full time. So uh, should be a lot of fun. And it's good because I get access to you in the mornings now if we want to do a show. Uh, that's, that's right. Yeah, that's- you hit me up, you know, a, a couple minutes in advance. Yeah, I'm available. I'm, I'm hanging out here. See, it works out perfectly. It's not like we have to schedule two weeks. I was like, now nah, that time doesn't work. This time doesn't work. I'm actually mainly just doing this. I mean, I want to give you as much press as possible because, hey, you're coming on the show. That's awesome. And your work is top quality, much better than my work. I'm not going to lie to you. But uh, I saw someone sent me along a comment yesterday that people said we didn't get to the golf quick enough. So I'm just maybe we won't even talk about golf today. How's your day going? Oh, so far, so good. Early here on the West Coast, oh, yeah. you know, one cup of coffee in, you know, this is real analysis that the people are looking for. I can feel it. Yeah, I know. I just, I basically, anytime tells anyone tells me like how I should be doing my show, I try to just really lean into the thing they hate the most. Like, do you work out uh, after you wake up in the morning? Do you take the dog for a walk? What's your morning routine like? Yeah. So hit the gym, 615 class every, uh, every oh. morning I'm, I'm in there. That's rough. And man. then uh, what's that? That's rough. Six. I, where do you get the energy at 615 in the morning? You, you got to get it done. You got to, you got, if, if you wait until after work, you know, you're exhausted, you come up with a million excuses. I'd rather eat dinner. You wake up, you roll out of bed, you get to the gym, you get it over with. Yeah. See, I'm more of a mid afternoon. I guess my schedule flexibility allows me for that. I can get in early. I can do some filming, do some work. You know, we got like, yeah, I mean, you know, all about it, exporting time, editing time, all that fun stuff that, that takes time. You can just kind of set that, forget it. And it has to do its thing. And you got like an hour and a half to kill gym works out perfectly. That is perfect timing. Yeah, I had someone tell me I should draw my winners out of a hat live on the show. And I was like, you can have your own show. And for an hour long, just draw names out of the hat. You can do it any way you want. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it just be Powerball, the show. Just be drawn winners. I do have 
uh, winners, four people, if they want to get to it, they can become winners if they want to. If you want to get into a draw for 20 DK bucks, all you need to do is smash the like button for the episode, although you've probably downvoted it already. But hey, switch that to a like. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section and give me your two favorite plays in the $6,000 range this week for the Rocket Mortgage Classic, only because this field is so terrible that... Finding two 6K guys might be kind of tough. And we'll talk to Rick a little bit about roster construction so far and what he's seeing. I might have a hot take or two about this week. Because, Rick, I've been running. You know how you're like, you're Rick run good? I'm Pat running really badly right now. Uh, Ooh, so, so, I, so what do you do when Pat runs bad? You just do something completely opposite and hope it turns around? Well, I gotta. I don't know if I should stick to what I've been doing because obviously that hasn't been working. But as Raza has pointed out, I, it's Raza Leone has pointed out multiple times. Maybe it's trippy. I completely forget. I talk to a lot of people. I'm a big deal, Rick, if you didn't know. I talk to many people. People, they're all great, but it's kind of like if I have a bad month, does that mean that? I mean, obviously the picks are wrong, but is my process now wrong? Because it's four weeks. It'd be like it, after Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and baseball being like, I'm blowing it up. I don't know what to do. Uh, but like it's four slates. Uh, and in golf, I feel like that kind of goes over the head of a lot of people. And I'm trying not to fall into that trap too. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy. Even if you look at the whole season, there's probably, you know, if you're only playing the main slate, it's like 40 different opportunities. Uh, the only sport that is obviously smaller in sample size is the NFL, where you'll hear these guys, look, you can go like three years and be a losing player for three years. But I don't know if that necessarily means your process is wrong, especially in something as volatile as the PGA. So yeah, it's at least good that you are reflecting on whether it is your process or your picks, because I think that's step one that people don't do. Yeah, well, I I know the picks are bad. That I can (laughs) absolutely confirm. Uh, The process, I don't know. I've had success with this process in the past. And I guess another thing to look into as well is that I'm only playing, basically, I play my tournament, the Pat Mayo Experience Open. If you want to play in that this week, it's $15 to enter. It's rake-free. It's the best tournament on DraftKings. I don't know why anyone wouldn't play it. We didn't fill it last week, so it got smaller. Didn't fill it. It, It's a rake-free event, people. You should be playing in this. How to find it? We can no longer put the link on YouTube because that will get us banned. So if you just go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash the PME, you can find it in the description of this video or yesterday's show with Jeff Feinberg, or in the audio podcast description, you can find it there as well. Just one click, boom, you're in. It's 15 bucks. You can enter up to three times. It's rake-free. I'm dead money basically every single week. So there's that. Uh, so it's like even freer. It, it, it's, it's less than rake. It's more than rake free. It's rake free. Plus I'm dead money, a dead 45 bucks of it every single week. So it's, it's absolutely the best term. Let's fill that up this week. Then we can get a really nice one going as we lead up to the open championship. Hopefully we can get over a hundred K guaranteed again. That would be amazing. So uh, if we don't fill it up in the meantime, that's not going to happen. So we want that coming through, but almost to my point, like I'm playing a lot of these just giant GPPs, Rick, like I'm not, I guess my tournament selection could be a lot better uh, for what I want to do, but I, I just, I thoroughly enjoy just making like go to fantasy national, make my 20 lineups, pick the players that I want and check them all into the $5, the $3, 20 max. And I kind of go on my way. I'll pick and choose like, Oh, I'll play that one in the 44 and almost play it as a single entry. I feel like that's where I'm really getting myself. But at the same time, you're not going to churn a consistent profit playing in the giant $5. Like, I can never be down on that tournament in my lifetime, basically, by playing my 20 lineups a week. It would take, like, 25 years for me to catch up based on what I've won in that in the past. And maybe just this year, not having that really big score is just kind of get me down in the dumps a little bit. 
Yeah. And that's very similar way to how I treat the birdie, which is that 20 max. Cause I, I love the 20 max format where, yeah, you win it once, which I, I did last year at the masters. It, I'm, I'm free rolling forever here. Right. Like I can, I can convince myself of that. Um, I, I do think that it's interesting how you choose. And this, I think this kind of came up on Twitter a little bit because I kind of do the same thing, get your 20 lineups and then decide which ones you're going to put in the five, the 44, whatever those type, you know, those single entry or the way you're going to treat them as single entries are and how to choose those lineups. Quite frankly, I pretty much do it randomly, which I can't imagine is the most optimal way, but uh, I don't know what a better way is. Well, it's funny you say that because I've had more success of my 20 lineups, just like going in and being like, I'll pick lineup number 11 and throw it in <laughs> rather than being like, oh, that one, that's the good lineup right there. Yeah. And then I put it in. And then like on Thursday afternoon, I'm thinking to myself like, I'm bad at this anyway. Why would I go with the most confidence I had in the lineup? Of course, that one's going to be in dead last. Right. Yeah. In- introduce a little uh, anarchy into your lineups and uh, just randomly pick it. I kind of do the same thing. I dig it. Yeah, it's tough. Like even trying to get the like whittling down the 20 into three to enter into the three max. Like I still struggle with that. Like, do I go three different lineups? Do I try to like really pound down on one player? Because I have a pretty concentrated core as it is. The guys are obviously going to overlap. But do I do it that and like I, when I did it at the U.S. Open, like I had C.T. Pan in two of the three lineups. The rest of the lineups were like pretty good, uh, but you know, having C.T. Pan, it's not going to work out for you. Yeah, no, and and actually, what I've done at times is uh, you and I kind of have the same mindset of being that very concentrated core. And if we're, we're either going to like win everything in one week or we're going to lose everything in one week, so what I've done, I've actually done this in your in your contest is I have my core lineup. That's the core lineup that I use to create. 20 lineups off of it but i'll stick the same three core the same lineup the core lineup in your contest three times and just like hey i turn it into a 45 dollar entry if i go out and win the thing i'm gonna take first second and third if i take three min caches i'm gonna you know double my money or whatever it is um which makes me feel a little bit better about the decision making process it eases it eases the burden a little but i, I certainly don't know if it's the best way <laughs> Uh, in that sort of format, like, would you play a more quote unquote cash lineup uh, if you're going to play like a single entry or do you say screw it? Like, let's just pick randomly one. Yeah, I mean, I I say screw it because I'm not trying to make, you know, two, two times my money back or in some of these big GPPs, one and a half times my money back. I'm trying to win first. So uh, I, I'm still going to treat it as, hey, let me get some high upside. Let me enter this where I think you can actually win it. See, I like that. I, I think that because I'm not going to start playing cash games. It's just not something that no. I'm going to end up doing. I play this for fun. I want to win big or I'm just going to lose. I like, I like how you phrase it. You're either going to win it all or lose it all. And I guess, you know what? I am okay with that. So I'm going to continue right. with my process for now. I'll reassess at the end of the year and see how poorly I do from here on out. Maybe I'll spike a big one and all of a sudden, hey, Pat's having a winning year. It's excellent news. Yeah, that's the thing. If you win this week, you're going to be like, oh, my process is so great. My picks are so awesome. And it, like, it's all, it's all good now. So winning, winning cures everything. Get ready to enter the ring. DraftKings and Showtime Boxing have partnered to bring you closer to the action than ever before, introducing the Showtime Boxing Pick'em Game. For every 2019 Showtime Boxing event, you can come out swinging. Each fight card is the opportunity to duke it out for your share of $5,000 and a Showtime Boxing Swag Bag. Head to DraftKings.com Showtime to play against this Saturday's slate with the main event featuring Jamal Charlo versus Brandon Adams. All right, so let's talk about the course a little bit, uh, Detroit Golf Club. It's looking, uh, the GCCA report came out 
whatever it is, the, the course report that they have on PGA Tour Media. And there's been a lot of debate about like what the greens are here at the course. It looks like they're almost exactly the same as last week at the Travelers. They're like POA with a bit of bent in them. They call them like bluegrass greens. Uh, so if people were wondering what the grass type was, that's what it at least is listed as on the official report. It's 7,340 yards, par 72. We got a full complement of par fives. The field is pretty weak. Top 70 in ties, 156 players. So the fullest of all fields that you're going to see all year, the maximum that we're going to have in terms of any one tournament. What are you searching for for key stats, knowing this is the first year at the course? Because I really whittled it down more than I normally do. And maybe that's something I can adjust in my process, that maybe I've been trying to go too deep into doing everything. Like, I go to fantasynational.com, and before, like, I have, like, my previous years loaded, but anytime I get to a new course or, like, a U.S. Open or something like that where I don't have a history, I guess this year's U.S. Open was a little bit different because we had Pebble Beach, but I kind of adjusted it, tweaked it probably a bit too much, to be perfectly honest with you, that I want to really hit down on my core stats that I really want to see what pop. Then I run it through the mixed condition model and see what happens. But, like, Tita Green, approach eagles gained birdies are better or sorry opportunities gained and par fives gained are the ones that i went with this week yep uh kind of similar way and it's funny you mentioned you know what do we usually do on u.s opens i think new courses are actually harder because for the most part obviously there's some differences here but you know u.s opens tend to play similarly you know you miss the fairway you're in trouble it's obviously not exactly the same but they can set them up in a similar manner a brand new course is a complete wild card. You know, we're, we're doing the uh, Google Earth trying to figure out, hey, are these fairways tree-lined? Are they this? Are they that? What kind of surfaces are we playing on? Um, so I have kind of brought it back down to a, a very basic set of, of key stats. You know, I think it's going to be a, a second-shot course. Uh, par, with, with it being a traditional setup with the four par fives, I did look at par five scoring or par five birdie or better or par fives gained, whatever stat works best for you just for a way to be able to uh, weigh the par fives a little bit more and then continue to rely on birdie or better because the, the early reports are this thing could turn into a little bit of a birdie fest with how many par fives there are. It might take a really low number to get there. So uh, I'm, I'm sticking with it's going to end up being pretty much the, the best golfers on the face of the earth and then we're going to have to figure out a way to construct them into a lineup. So what do we do when we see that the winning score might fall somewhere between like minus 18 and minus 24? We could have a full-on Sony Open on our hands midway through the season. We don't normally get that until we get to like the John Deere Classic. Like, are there certain types of players that you do go to target? Like, I don't know. Um, I mean, obviously targeting birdies or better is something that you can look at right away. And if we go to birdies or better gained over the past 24 rounds, you got Hideki, Dustin Johnson, Gary Woodland. Big surprise there. That's like Aaron Wise, Sam Burns, Roy Sabatini, Luke List, Kevin Streelman, Sung Jay, Seb Straka, Sung Kang, Ali Hama, Austin Cook, Charlie Hoffman, like those types of guys. Like, do you want players that, in your mind at least, and maybe now that you're doing this full time, you can actually dig in to see if this is actual reality? But I've always wondered, like, if Brendan Grace is ever going to win a tournament, it's probably going to fall between like minus five and minus 12 like that's sort of his sweet spot i think when he won heritage it was minus 12 it could have been minus 14 i don't quite remember all that well but like there's other guys that are more typically suited to win a minus 20 a minus 24 and i feel like that puts more like the web.com guys back into the mix because when you play on the web.com tour that's more of like a birdie fest every single week that resort course players like the cameron champs of the world they tend to be able to go and make huge numbers but once you ratchet up the difficulty just a little they're not as good anymore are there certain guys that you would either put into a mix or take out of a mix because of that core setup? Yeah, for sure. And uh, you're right. Figuring out who those guys are is the next step of this process. But you kind of nailed 
the profile of someone that I would want to play. It's there, there is an, a real thing in golf. If you go out and talk to these guys, like once you start getting a couple under par, some guys get a little bit complacent, like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm two, three under, like I'm cool here. This is a good number. It's hard to continue to go low. It's what they said about Tiger for all those years. It's like, he's not afraid to continue to, to throw darts and go at pins when he's four, five, six under par and try to get to 10 under par, right? There's just kind of like a different mindset for these types of players. And some are better at it than others. Web.com is a great example because like th there's been events where I think Sam Saunders shot like a 60 and like for two rounds of a tournament and barely won the thing, right? Those are in incredible birdie fests. Um, but I also look at guys like Jason Kokrak, who he, he's more solid. He, he's just probably not going to make seven, eight, nine birdies in a round, but he's just not going to make a lot of bogeys in, in a round either. Um, it's not, it's not going to be good for something that turns into a birdie fest. And it's probably not going to be great for DraftKings scoring outside of winning the con uh, winning the tournament, because we need, if it's going to be 20 under, uh, and you're not making, <laughs> you know, 20, 25, 28 birdies throughout this thing. Like you're, you're probably in big trouble when it comes to your DK lineups too. So if we go above the $10,000 range, Dustin Johnson is the best player in this field. He is the highest price player in this field. He's $12,000. It's $800 more than Ricky Fowler. It's $1,100 more than Gary Whitland coming off the U S open win. And it's almost $2,000 more than Hideki Matsuyama who comes in at 10 2 those are the four guys above the $10,000 barrier. And when I'm looking at the early ownership calculations it looks like ricky is going to come in at the lowest ownership i thought people might overlook hideki but that price break is just too strong that he might come in as the highest owned player on the slate but the hot take that i had earlier is if i play 20 lineups i'm highly considering just playing dustin in all 20 I don't disagree. So 12,000 is basically the max that we can see on DraftKings, even, even though, and I, Pat, you might know this better than I do. Uh, I think, I think DJ is like five or six to one to win this event, right? Something He's like that. six to one as of yesterday. I haven't checked today. Okay. So, so basically when a guy gets to six to one, um, because this, the, the DK salaries so correlate to Vegas odds, you would normally see his price, like his price should probably be higher than 12,000. It should probably be like 12, four, 12, five, but DK kind of puts, puts a little bit of a, of a cap on it. And even getting to 12,000 is something that we haven't seen in a while. Um, so I actually think he should be more expensive. So I think there is a little bit of a value there. He is even at his worst, he's one of the best players in the field. And there's like a real chance he just goes out and, and boat races everybody and wins this thing by, you know, half a dozen strokes. Yeah. Do you find that there is a difference between someone like Dustin Johnson and someone like Brooks Kepka in the spot once they travel to these kind of knockoff events with the weaker fields. Although last week, the travelers actually had a pretty good field. Just all the good players didn't play all that well outside of Paul yeah. Casey, who just kills that tournament every single year. But in terms of Dustin, like we've seen him go to these spots and win these tournaments at six to one and blow the field out. So I, I have a lot more confidence in DJ in a tournament like this than I would with Brooks. Yeah. I mean, Brooks has basically told us that, right? Like he has kind of told us he is major hunting and he's going to show up. And um, it's hard to tell if he cares at, at a U.S. Open or at a British Open because he always has the same look on his face. But it's it, he's almost just straight up told us he's out here to, to rack up majors. And, and Dustin's not really that way. Dustin just kind of shows up, does his thing, bombs it, you know, hits his wedge to a couple feet. And if he makes his putts, which 
uh, you know, he didn't last week. If he makes his putts, he'll, he'll be in, he'll be in contention. Yeah. That's also the big thing too. He lost, you know, the third most strokes of any tournament of his career at the U S open putting. Like that's just not typical of Dustin Johnson. And, and I wanted to get you to weigh in on this a little bit too. Cause I talked a bit about it with Feinberg yesterday. I wrote it up in my column. If you want to check it out on dkplaybook.com. like that just seems high variance. Like he was top 10 T to green at the U S open and finished outside the top 25, which is kind of shocking for Dustin Johnson. He puts average that week. He's inside the top 10 so at a tournament like this if he continues to go with that tee to green game i think he can really lap the field here but in terms of justin thomas because we're seeing this with him too that the tee to green game has just been outstanding and the dude can't putt anymore when we thought about his wrist injury we thought about it from a driving and approach perspective that oh will he be able to get it out of the rough uh, how, how is his touch around the green going to be is he going to be able to drive the ball uh, but all that came back right away even when he struggled at memorial he was still pretty good at least the first round tee to green then he was just bad in the second around at all facets of the game he was just rusty but ever since we've seen him since in hamilton last week at the u.s open the tee to green has been really good dude can't make a putt do you think the wrist injury has hurt his putting this is really shocking when you go and dig into the numbers it's it's really tough um i think it's possible i i would say it is probably more variance than anything okay um all Although I think that there might be, uh, let's call it like 25%, you know, with having, without having any idea what his wrist injury, I mean, only he is going to know that if with it being such a feel type area of the green, if he's got, you know, a little numbness still in his wrist, if there's still something kind of going on there, he might not have the same feel with a putter or with like wedges around the green that he previously had. And now he's trying to work through it. That is 1000% speculation, Pat. Um, so I really just think that uh, there's probably more variance than not here, but I wouldn't be super surprised if there was some type of just different feel that he has after the U S open and the, or, or I'm sorry, after the wrist injury. And these guys are creatures of habit where a different feel might screw him up for a bit. So that's what I was trying to parse out with Feinberg and, whether it is this is just a bad stretch of putting for him and it's complete variance chalk it up to randomness because again we're still dealing with such a limited sample it's four starts for him on tour mm -hmm. and three of the past three starts because he played four weeks in a row one was on bent then the next three were on like weird poa greens maybe he just he wasn't reading those properly you get him back on bent grass you put him on bermuda all of a sudden problem solved i don't know but the big thing is like i've seen him as low as 40 to 1 for the open championship I don't know if he's going to win the open championship, but that feels like an auto bet. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's value in that number. Uh, you're, you're right. I don't know if he's going to win it, but he's way better than I'm sure the, his peers that are also in the 40 to one range. I don't know if you have it up, but I can imagine the other names around him. And Justin Thomas is a, a class golfer compared to them. All right. It looks like people jumped on that 40 number. Cause now I'm seeing a 33 across uh, all the sites, but he's the same number as Louie, the same number as Stenson, the same number as Patrick Cantlay, Jason day. And he's way behind guys like Fowler and Fleetwood and Rom and Scott and Xander Scheifele. Yeah, which, you know, just before that wrist injury, I mean, remember, he to start the season, literally before the Honda, he was scorching earth. He was the best player on the planet. His stats were uh, through the roof, and we didn't know if he could keep that going, but it, it seemed like there, there wasn't going to be anything to stop him unless he was going to smash his club up against a tree in like the first round of the Honda Classic, and of course, that's exactly what he did. Yeah, and then he continued to try to play through it. And I think the Masters thing, coming T12 at the Masters, really threw us all off guard. Yeah. Being like, oh, yeah, he's probably all right. He's played well at the yeah. Masters. But I guess yeah, he, he came back, he played the Masters, and he was fine. And then yeah. that was clearly not the case because then he, he didn't even play the uh, the PGA, right? He sat it out. Yeah, it was strange. So I'm Team yeah. Dustin here. He's probably the only guy above 10K that I'm going to use.
news this week. Do you have any feels for the Woodlands and the Fowlers and the Hideki's? Like, I can listen. They're all probably pretty good plays. Ricky rates out the worst, but the other three are inside my top four in actual overall stat rankings. And when you just look at the names, that would correlate pretty well. Like, oh yeah, those guys are good. Of course, they're in the top. Woodland is really the interesting one here because if you had told me he didn't win the U.S. Open, I feel like I'd be all over. Maybe not at this price point, but I don't. I just. Coming off a major win, doing the talk show circuit, like this is all brand new for Gary Woodland. And it's hard to project any sort of, oh, he's beat out. Oh, this is a new stage of his career. Maybe he doesn't take it as seriously. Maybe he takes it more seriously. We're not actually going to know that. But it feels like the track record of first-time major winners coming off that major is not so hot. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And we talk about this a lot. It's like, oh, the guy was the best player on the planet the last time he teed it up. Let's avoid him this week. Uh, it's it's so counterintuitive, but I get it at the same time, right? I mean, you could you could argue, okay, he's doing the he's doing the talk shows, he's he's not focused, or he's just got a lot going on, he hasn't been practicing, or you could say, Wow, he's doing the talk shows, he's probably out of his comfort zone. When he steps back onto a golf course, he's back into his world. This is where he can kind of settle in again. I have no idea. Trying to figure it out for these guys is going to be impossible. What I will say is he kills par fives. He kills par fours. He makes a ton of birdies. He's $10,900. If you're going to play anybody else over 10,000, Gary Woodland, certainly my guy. Uh, you would go Woodland over Fowler and Hideki. Yeah. I probably rank them. Um, DJ Woodland. Um, the, the other two are close. I'd probably go Fowler Hideki. Yeah. So I, I think I might just say Dustin Johnson and go with it. And the problem is if you use Dustin Johnson, this nine K level is not real accessible. If you want your team to make a no. whole lot of sense at the bottom. So it works out well because I don't love a whole lot of the nine K guys. You got Snedeker, Reavy coming off the win, Ryan Moore, who I like uh, Patrick Reed, Kevin Kisner, Billy Horschel. Like I could be good, not playing any of those guys to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, they're all kind of, you can make a case definitely for all of them, but you can also just say like, eh, the guys in the next level below are probably just as good. I tend to agree. And this is, this is what's interesting in these weaker field events where now you have this mental block where we've been paying probably at least a thousand dollars cheaper for all of these guys all season long. And now they show up here in Detroit and we've got to pay <laughs> mid nines or high nines for them. And it's like, holy crap, this, this field is super weak. Am I really going to pay, you know, 9,500 for Ryan Moore, who I like, I do like Ryan Moore. You know, he's a good driver of the golf ball. Um, you know, he faded a little bit at the end of, of the travelers, but he was in contention for a while. He made a ton of birdies. I, I, I like him, but I think it is an area that I will probably just skip over. There's some better names. And I don't, I don't think we talked about this, Pat, um, brand new golf course. I actually think that opens up the field a bit more. I think it's going to bring in a lot of these guys with, you know, without any course history for anybody with no good feels, they don't have a lot of nuances of say the greens because they've been playing here every year for a decade. I think it opens up the field a lot. I think you can get into the, you know, the lower ends of the salary range. Like we normally wouldn't want to. So of guys in that range, like, do you think you would go back to Shez? Fun fact about Shez Reavy. And I laughed at it when I saw it. Uh, I was on fantasy national. If people want to become a member of fantasy national right now, by the way, if you get a monthly membership, it takes you through the British open. So probably a good time to do it. And the simulator has been really fire over the past. Like, I think it's like five of the past six weeks. They had Shez rated as the fifth best play in the field last week, just per like running simulations over and over. And then said that his odds should have been 25 to one instead of 60 to one. And uh, I looked at, it, I was like, that's stupid. I'm not doing that. <laughs> and then, now I sit here and all of a sudden Shez Reeves 9,700 bucks. 
Yeah, stupid computers. Um, you know, he he is really interesting to be quite honest. And if we're going to try to project what what being a winner, and he's not a first time winner, but first time in a decade, he might as well be, um, is going to do to a guy right after. Like, if you saw him on the 18th green, I'm not even sure he knew he won. Right? Like, he was so even keel. <laughs> he might just show up this week and be like, okay, back to back to playing golf, no big deal. Uh, he does continue to rate out really well. Uh, I like to use good drive percent, and I don't know if you saw any of this, Pat, but. Was there a, I thought when I was looking at the virtual map and doing a little bit of the tour, some of these fairways look a bit tree-lined. Did you see that on your side? I did, but I didn't know if that was an old map or a new map that it looks like they, it looks like what they've done is there's a North course and a South course at Detroit Golf Club and they've combined two of the courses to make this PGA event. Yeah. So the, and you're absolutely right. We're, we're great at speculating this week. I, I don't have any idea, but it looked a little tree line to me. And when we get to some of those courses where, you know, if you miss the fairway, you're in prison in some cases, or you have to be on the right side of the fairway. I like to use good drive percentage. Uh, Chez shows up. I think he's like number one or number two in the field there. He destroys par fours. He's going to be a, a, a great ball striker. So Outside of the fact that he just won last week, there's really nothing to to knock about him. Yeah, in terms of the actual stats that I'm looking at, he rates at fifth in this field over the past 36 rounds behind DJ Woodland, Matsuyama, and Kevin Streelman, of all people. But it's funny, like, when we talk about, like, he's plays really well, he's been playing really well on par fives because he's been making a lot of putts. But it's this weird key par four range, like there are 10 par fours on this course, and only two of them measure between 400 and 450 yards. There's four over 450 yards and four under 400 yards in both those ranges. He's third in the field over the past 36 rounds and scoring on those holes. Yeah. So he's, he's definitely got the, uh, the skill set that we would expect to translate to golf course X, which is basically what we're looking at this week. So between him more, and then I don't know where else you'd go in this range. I, I always have a little thing for, for Billy Horschel cause he makes a ton of cuts and now he's probably one of the better players in the field and he's the lowest end of this 9,000, but um, I'm not sure where else I'd fire a dart in here. So there, there's three guys that I do have some interest in. One is Snedeker, only because he has a really good record on Donald Ross courses. He's won Wyndham. He's won the Tour Championship at Eastlake. And he's actually played really well uh, with his, he played really well with his irons last week. The driving is the thing that will really get him. Like he can take himself out of a tournament. But he had been riding a hot putter all the way until last week. He only came T43, but he gained almost five strokes in approach. And you know that he's going to be good around the greens. That's never an issue with Brant Snedeker. Uh, Ryan Moore almost falls into that same camp. Uh, he can't putt right now, but the ball striking has been really good. He plays these shorter par fours really well has a great track track record at Wyndham and in the two starts he's ever had at Eastlake he's come second and he's come third so there's something about this Donald Ross design that he likes a little bit and the other one is Kevin Kisner whose irons are suddenly coming back to earth just to coming back to like fruition just a little bit uh the short game had gone away the putting had gone away but he's he gained strokes off the tee last week he gained strokes on approach gained almost six strokes putting you can't count on that but if the ball striking is going to be there for him I do count on him to hit a lot of fairways so he's someone interested that you know he's won already this year at a WGC and he just kind of tailed off a little bit maybe he's hitting back on the upswing right now yeah I, I do think Kisner's interesting he's he kind of just trucks along he he has a great skill set when he's firing on all cylinders which is kind of what you alluded to Pat as he's coming back to it so you could probably convince me of him I think it's a lot about roster could you could you I guess you could start your lineups here and and avoid the top uh, four guys. I'm not sure I'd be willing to do it, but I guess you could. Maybe, maybe instead of playing 100% DJ, uh, I'll commit to playing like 
50% DJ and building DJ lineups and then take him out of my build. Like, well, I'll go to Fantasy National and just take him off the list and then start all my teams maybe with Snedeker and have Snedeker, Kisner, Moore, and build that way. When I actually hit my big score at Heritage uh, a year ago, that's actually what I did. I had none of the highest price players. I just built around a core of 9K and 8K guys. And, and I, I like that. Uh, I, I tend to do that more often. It te- it's usually in deeper fields where you have a bunch of those guys. You have Tony Finau in there. You have, uh, you know, a handful of guys that can actually, that I think can actually win this thing. I'm not sure that's the case this week, but it's close. I don't think I could kill you for it. Let's see. If I play Dustin Johnson and Kevin Kisner, I'd have $7,200 remaining uh, in the rest of my lineups. And I, I mean, we're not down in that range yet, but we'll, we'll see how, how rough it gets in a hurry. So this 8K range, is filled with guys that are kind of overpriced, like Neiman. Love Neiman. I don't know if he should be 8900 bucks. That seems a bit extreme. Sungjae is 88, who just rode a hot putter last week, but the, the ball striking really hasn't been there for him as of late. Bubba, Streelman, who's fire. Rory, Sabatini, who's been kind of fire. Hovland, Kokrak coming off like the worst round in the history of golf. Wise, Tway, Duffner, Harmon, uh, and that's it. I like the guys at the bottom here. I like Tway, I like Duffner, and I like Harmon. Yeah, let's okay. Let's talk about Neiman for a second. Is he going to be super popular? Like, uh, I, I I have a feeling that we finally saw the the fifth place fifth place finish last week. This guy was everybody's darling a year ago when he had like you know six starts under his belt. I'm a little worried at what his ownership checks in this week. Uh, I got him right now at thirteen percent ownership, okay. but. He's been good the past four weeks. He's gained yeah. on off the tee approach and around the green in three consecutive weeks. And he finally put together a decent putting week, almost four strokes gained. That's strokes gained putting in two of his past three events. So maybe it's flipping for him just a little bit, but it feels like it goes sideways for him too. Like it's, just, it's too extreme a price for me to pay at $8,900 to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, it's like last week was his first. I think it was like his first top ten in a year. Uh, like it was, it, it's been a really bad run for him since we all sat there and said, "Oh my god, if he was, if he had enough rounds to qualify, he'd be ranked first in every statistical category. He's the next Tiger." Like that's literally the things we were saying a year ago. Obviously, golf is a little bit more difficult than that. Um, I, I'm probably a little bit more bullish on him than you are. He played well tee to green last week. Notoriously bad putter, but uh, I think he gained over three strokes last week. If he can continue to keep it rolling. He definitely has the skill set to pop off and, and find his way near the top of the leaderboard. But I, yeah, he is not a safe option by any stretch of the imagination. So it does seem like most people are avoiding that $9,000 area, at least according to early projections from fantasynational.com. If you remember, you can just click on ownership percentage and see the live ownerships. But like, I got guys like Snedeker, 6%, Reed, 6%, Kisner, 6%. Then I drop into this area. It's like Streelman, 20%, Sabatini, 15%, Neiman, 13%, M, 11 Kokrak, still 10 Hovland, 12 Aaron Wise, 11 Kevin Tway, 11 Duffner, 15 Brian Harmon, 10 It does seem like people are really targeting this area yeah which is kind of interesting right i mean i guess it makes sense um i i I like the nines more than i like the eights quite frankly there's only a handful of guys that even move the needle for me i did think it's interesting in this field to see bubba at 8700 i know it's been a really bad run for him um I, i know that he's not doing a lot of things well but to see him at 8700 which is you know a hundred dollars more than kevin streelman in this field i thought that was surprising i don't know if i'll get to rostering him but that's a lot of disrespect for Bubba yeah since the Masters miscut 63rd miscut 54th for Bubba Watson he missed the cut at the two majors and the other two events Travelers and RBC you know he hasn't finished better than T54 this is also the fourth week in a row he's going to be playing as well 
Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize that. Um, I wonder if Bubba should take a rest and like go chill out for a little bit and figure his figure his shit out. But uh, it's it is an interesting number. And then you get down to guys like okay, so Kokrak. Any anybody gonna play Kokrak after? I, I'd argue this is the time to play him after one of the most historical historically worst putting rounds of his career. It's not even like, but it's not like the putting was super terrible. Obviously, he lost seven and a half. He lost seven strokes putting in one round, which is almost impossible. Uh, but almost. He, he he showed that if you just miss every five footer on the on the board, uh, you're gonna rack up bogeys and lose a lot of strokes putting. But it's not like his irons were really good. He, dude couldn't chip like normal. Like the only thing he did well was drive the ball. If this turns yeah, if this turns true. into a driving fest, like you could really gain a lot of leverage and say, you know what? I think that driving is gonna be the predominant stat this week and play like Dustin and Bubba and Co crack and that type of guy and avoid all sort of like the overall good tee to green players but i just don't think that's how this works out i think that like you mentioned this is a second shot golf course if the score is going to be minus 22 that driving is important obviously but if your irons aren't dialed in like you've got no chance yeah and how do you feel i think you make you you were talking on a really great point there where especially on a course that is a little bit unknown and sometimes we do this with weather waves uh just stacking a bunch of, hey, here's my really good drivers in case that ends up being the skill set that that is needed to win this week. Or, hey, here's a bunch of ball strikers or here's a bunch of whatever. Um, I don't do that as much as I think others do. Is that something that you mess with from a like an actual statistic side of it? I, I try to. I try to align my lineups that way, but then I usually just get too frustrated because I don't make my teams until like, you know, Wednesday night. I'm like, I got to go to bed. I'm going to make my teams and go to bed. Maybe I should put some more time into that. Maybe that's the part that I'm struggling with. I talk about this shit for like, 10 hours a week and then it gets down to making the lineups i'm like ugh, i'm over it <laughs> yeah i don't even, even want to think about these names any longer <laughs> but I, I think i do more of a t stack like weather draw and usually i'll do the opposite as well like if i play an am pm stack for five lineups i'll play two that are pm am just in case you know i'm wrong about a ton of stuff so why wouldn't i be wrong about that so i'll try to have it have it both ways but i do think raza is the one that does the statistical stacks the most i think of anyone and I, and I think it makes sense. And whether it's even, uh, whether it's choosing one stat or just finding players that tend to have the same pl- profile, whether it's, Hey, they're T to green and they can't putt or they're long hitters or whatever it is. I, I think that's probably a solid way to go. If you have the time to build the lineups. All right. So in that 8k range, who are the three that you like that you can see using? Like I said, for me, it's probably Duffner, probably my favorite Tway. and good God, am I really going to play Brian Herman again? Are you gonna play the Streelman shock 20% Streelman? No, I think that's bad chalk. Um, man, I, I'm I'm kind of a sucker for Neiman, quite honestly. I, I do I do like Duffner and I do like Tway. So I think we're on the same page for most of them, but I'll 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 fall for Neiman, I think. Yeah, so Harmon and Duffner score really well on these shorter par fours, and Tway short scores really well on the longer par fours and just absolutely yeah. crushes par fives. Yeah, he destroys them, and nice to see him uh, come to life a little bit last week. I think he finished fifth, so there's there's a little bit to like there for Tway. Uh, in the 7K range, KH Lee is the first one that I see at the top of my list here at $7,900, coming off like a pretty decent week. Another player that scores really well on these shorter par fours. Would you pay for him, or would you just kind of let everything trickle down? Because I like going back to Charlie Hoffman coming off a week where he screwed everybody. Uh, so do I, I usually am, uh, when there's blood on the streets by property type of guy. So no, no more blood on the streets than Charlie Hoffman last week. Uh, I'm, I'm fine with going back to him. We haven't seen him play that poorly, uh, at most points in his, in his career. So there's no reason to expect that that continues. I actually do like KH Lee a little bit. I think he, I think he's interesting when it gets to, 
um, some of these weaker field events. And we've seen his name pop up on leaderboards and play well, play well recently. And I mean, outside of, I don't know, Sung Kang, who I actually, you know, Sung Kang is like four starts removed from being a winner on the PGA tour. Um, you know, plays, plays well on par fives, plays well enough on par threes. He's someone that you could, that you could get my investment on, but this is a pretty, like, this is already a weak field. This is a pretty weak section of it. Uh, like list is in here and I bet list to win. Like I normally do. Cause I love Luke list, but he's been really bad with his irons. Uh, basically since heritage, he's lost like immense amount. Um, like the ball striking obviously off the tee is going to be really good. Like it normally is, but it's almost like yep. looking at Bubba's page right now. Like minus, 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 like the putting has been all right. He's gained strokes putting in three consecutive events and the irons abandoned him. How does that even happen for Luke list? That, that was what we were waiting for. We were like, okay, when he putts, he's going to win. He finally does it. And of course, he doesn't have the rest of the game there. Yeah, see, that's never any fun. Uh, in terms of Kang and Hoffman, they're probably the two best ones. Like, Charlie's ball striking was really good last week. He just couldn't putt. And almost the same with Kang. That's two consecutive weeks. He lost six strokes putting at Memorial. He lost two and a half last week. Gained off the tee. Gained on approaches. You know, MDF'd last week. Yep. I believe he MDF'd. Sun Kang. He did. I could see him doing okay here. I thought Grio MDF too, and just turned out I stopped paying attention to him after he broke my heart after round two. I, I'm pretty sure he birdied 18 to make the secondary cut. <laughs> I was, I was, I faded him, and I was keeping an eye on it. And I'm like, oh, thank God he's on the outside of this. He's not going to play the fourth round. And I'm pretty sure he birdied 17 or 18 coming in uh, to to get into the set to get into Sunday. Yeah, the only other one like Donald Ross specialist Nick Watney is up here, another player who he's won at Romnick. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, played really well at Wyndham, and I think he's had some like, decent runs at the Tour Championship. You know, ten years ago when he was actually good uh but he's you know eighth 22nd miscut 30th like he's he's playing all right at the moment and it's all ball striking it's not putting obviously uh but he's been doing a bit better uh at least in terms of treading water on the greens on these slower poa surfaces so maybe they ratchet up the greens and they're super quick and then all of a sudden he sucks but i, I don't mind nick watney in this mid-range because there's not a whole lot down here to tell you the truth Mulnati is like the other one yeah, and I actually uh, let me know what you think about this. I'm trying to pull up his stats here. Um, Matt Wolf at 7,500 played like obviously the kid just turned pro. He's gonna go through some growing pains, but he played. Uh, so he did MDF. So he played three three rounds last week. So he played the the two par fives now six times. He buried all six of them. So he was six under on those six holes and like eight over on the other 48. If you double the number of par fives that he gets this week, I wonder uh, if he can eat those alive and just kind of hold on for the rest of them. I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, and then the other guy down here is actually uh, Wyndham Clark. He's pretty far down at 7,100. Coming off a 15th place finish last week, and he's another guy who destroys the par fives. Again, I, I think it's going to be such an important stat this week. If you steal an eagle or two, um, not only is that going to help your standing in the tournament, but they're so heavily weighted on DraftKings that you can almost do whatever you want after that if you grab one. Uh, I, Max Hama was the other one I was looking at. I was on Hama last week, and dude just couldn't chip or putt. But the approach was really good, and that's been something since he's won Wells Fargo. Plus 4.6, plus 1.7, plus 4.3, plus 3. That if he's going to continue to be this hot with his irons he's another longer hitter that can score really well on the power fives that i like him and spawn and connors are just two that my eye gets gravitated towards and i don't really know what to do with either one of them uh connor shows up uh, every single week on 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 my model because he's so good t to green 
Um, so I, I, I couldn't really fault you there. I don't know. I don't have much of a stance on JJ Spawn. He's probably someone I haven't played in a year or two. Uh, what, what do you got? Convince me on him. Let's talk about him. Uh, on JJ? JJ just seems yeah. like he's turned his season around a little bit, at least from a middling perspective. Like, what do you really expect JJ Spawn to do? That he's going to tread water, tread water, tread water. You hope to get one of these hot putting weeks, and boom, he spikes and finishes inside the top five or something like that. That's been what we've seen from him in his career. And if we go through what he's been doing recently, he's made five of his past six cuts no finish better than t28 he's coming off a 30th at the travelers lost a bunch of strokes uh putting but did gain five and a half through his irons and it does seem historically where he has played well i know he had a nice run at the farmers one year but you know the desert classic these swing season events events Mm. where you're gonna have to shoot like minus 18 minus 19 in order to win and if you can start filling it up at least i know that he's when i look at opportunities gained he's sticking it close to the whole four birdie opportunities if he starts converting them then all of a sudden we're in business and if you're correct that let's say hitting fairways is going to be super duper important here because it's either going to be tree line or the rough has grown up in one of those circumstances that we don't know. He's someone that hits a lot of fairways. He doesn't get himself into a lot of trouble. Yeah, I do. I do like that about him. And you're right. His uh, irons were hot fire last week. So that's, that's pretty interesting. What is he? 74. Is he 71? 74. He's the same price as 74. my main man. See, Woo! Kim. <laughs> there it is. I knew we couldn't go a whole show without getting a Siwoo mention. Siwoo is doing something weird this year. He's not playing first or last. He missed the cut on the number last week. That is so very anti Siwoo Kim. Like, he should be like 13 over. Yeah, that's that's embarrassing. We want first or we want last Siwoo. Get your get your stuff together. Yeah, and, and I, hey, he's someone else who's wanted a Donald Ross course before. That it just amongst these guys that he's priced down here with, like the Steels, the Hadleys, the although Roberto Diaz played really well last week. He did. Uh, but Siwoo is just a better player than all these guys. You never know which if good Siwoo or bad Siwoo is going to show up. But if good Siwoo shows up in this field, he could definitely win. Yeah, and I've actually it's it's funny you mentioned that. I've had success in these types of fields where the bottom of the uh the pricing pool ends up being like either like a lot of uh, a lot of journeymen who stink or people who are up and coming, young guys. Um, and then you kind of get like some established pros in there. Like sometimes there's, sometimes there's like a Harold, Harold Var- Varner, uh, the third in there or someone like that, that you're like, wait a minute, like he's not the greatest player on the earth, but he's better than these other guys. He's competed on the PGA tour. He's been in front of these crowds before. Um, and I've had good success finding those guys in these areas. So like, that's what kind of comes to mind when you, when you mention Siwoo, it's like, Definitely has a better resume than the guys around him um, in this type of field. Uh, Von Taylor is another one that I wanted to shout out in the 7K region. He's just been playing pretty consistently all year. Chalky guys from in the 7K level, like in this bottom part, it seems like people are playing hometown guy, Brian Stewart. Sam Burns is going to be pretty popular. And Troy Merritt and Cameron Tringali, Alex Prue. And that's it uh, in terms of the wow. over 5% owned guys. Like Munoz is right there. He fills it up in a hurry and everyone loved him last week. He played poorly. It might be another week, like you said, just to blood on the streets. Might as well go back to Munoz. Yeah, that's really interesting to hear that those are the names that are garnering over 5%. Uh, I don't know who else I'd rather roster down here. I mean, it's pretty ugly. I do I do like Diaz, and he was on the uh, – we got him on the PGA Tour Live last week, didn't we? He was uh, – we saw a lot of his shots. He played well. It's funny who they choose to show and who they choose not to show. It's unbelievable. It's, they're, they're throwing darts. Yeah, well, I mean, they could they could do worse. Like, like he's never had as good of a ball striking week as he did last week, and he came eighth. Like, if I look at his tee to green for his career, he gained 10.4 strokes tee to green last week. Before that, his previous best tee to green performance in any tournament was 0.5 strokes gained tee to green. So he might have just got oh hot. 
<laughs> did we did we just see his ceiling uh, his ceiling tournament? We may have, unless he's a completely new player all of a sudden, which would come out of nowhere, kind of thing. Play, play, play on PGA Tour once and turn and uh, turn your turn your career around. Yeah, I, I just I, I don't know what really to do with him. Like it's like Zach, Zach Schuster. Is that how you pronounce his name? I I works for me. I I have no idea how to pronounce his name. Uh, I pro- I'm probably not going back to him either. Uh, no, I'm I'm like positive we just saw his ceiling tournament. A guy who uh was i'm I'm stunned he finished second quite honestly when he went like bogey double double i thought he was going to choke it away and finish t19 or something like that i'm actually pretty impressed he finished second but that is like the absolute ceiling for him well we'll, we will never hear his name again 6k guys got any for me actually i do um let's hear is it is it hank lebiota not yet no i do like hank but not this week uh how about sep straka you're speaking my language there we go. Okay. So, uh, T to green. Let me see if I can find this here. Uh, T to green was pretty good last week. Um, hold on. Okay. So he missed the cut. Here's the thing. He missed the cut last week. And I think he finished like ninth in the field in T to green, which is when you think about it, or maybe not 19th, he finished 14th, which you think about it, that's a cumulative stat. So he, he gained more T to green in two rounds than almost the entire field did in four. He gained more rounds T to green than Keegan did, who finished second. Um, clearly, the problem with him is going to be the putter. He lost six strokes putting last week in only two rounds. Obviously terrible. But like he has some significant upside to uh, getting like, like again, one hot putter or one neutral putter gets him well in contention in a field like this. He's uh, I think he's what 6,900 bucks right now. Yeah. So I, I like Straka. He, it's funny. He's a fun guy to bet on his first round leader or play him in a first round three ball. Cause he's always like an underdog, but he cannot put together. I, I can pull it up. If uh, people seem to overlook this but if you just click on like the round numbers next to the players names on fantasy national you get a round by round breakdown of you know good round or just round by round that he follows up a good round with a bad round and a bad round with a good round like almost always it's it's kind of crazy yeah consistency is not straka's uh strong suit from what i've what i can tell yeah because i was on him at the canadian open he was like lingering for a while then he lost 3.2 strokes in one round t to green in the final round i was like oh Thanks, Seb. Thanks for showing up. On right. This oh, this, this is why you're 6,900 bucks and 200 to one to win this thing. Uh, I don't know if the field is going to update, but I saw Taylor Gooch actually got into the field, and I don't know if he's going to end up making the DraftKings system. I haven't received that email yet, but it's Tuesday morning. Maybe that's going to happen. I would play the Gooch. When we talk about like iron play, he's awesome. Yeah, he's he when we when you go to second shot courses, which is basically any course, but uh ones that really require that second shot, he always pops up there. I do assume we're gonna get an email today. He's gonna be added to the field. I saw he was added earlier as well. So the only other one, like if it rates out like iron play is key, if the dude could just make a fucking putt, Sean Stephanie would be great. Ooh. That's interesting. All right, how about this one? Little couple tidbits for you for Andrew Landry. He is sixty eight hundred dollars. Um, has not played well since he won last year. Played well last he week. Was, played well. La- played well last week. Okay. Here's what's here's what I like about him. He can't he didn't put four rounds together, but his the two rounds that he did, I think it was Thursday, he was first in the field in strokes gain T to green. And Saturday he was like seventh in the field in strokes gain T to green. So two awesome rounds. Two rounds that if you told me that 
oh, he had these two rounds. I'd be like, wow, he probably like top 10 this thing or won it. Um, obviously did not happen, but there are so few guys in this price range that even have the ceiling of being able to be the best guy in the field, T to green one round of the tournament, let alone two rounds of the tournament. I think that that's something to say about Landry who can at least pop off and he can at least find a ceiling better than a lot of these other guys can. All right. I, listen, I, I am 100% on board with that. If I'm going to play a bunch of DJ, I might need to go down to this range. Landry, he's on the list. So Straka, Stephanie, Landry. I think I would like Gooch the best if he ends up in the field. Now I'm just trying to dig into Carlos Ortiz a little bit. Oh, yeah, that's not good. So no Carlos Ortiz. <laughs> don't, don't dig too deep on Carlos. Yeah, I, ha- I had to make sure I could cross him off my list, and now I can. Like, that's essentially it. The only thing that he scores particularly, I'm going to set my date range to last 100 rounds, and I'm going to see who makes more eagles versus the field than anyone else because it does seem like three of these par fives are gettable now we're not going to know that until the players show up two seem like they're entirely reachable the other one has like a pond in front of it so it's going to take some extra distance in order to get there so you can kind of parse that out a little bit but over the is that like the 650 yard one (laughs) no no it's the like five five seventy something whatever it is like you're gonna have to fly yeah, you're not going to get to the 600 whatever one in two. That's just right. not going to happen. But you could get to this one in two if you don't put it into the drink first. So the best players in the field in Eagles gained over the past 100 rounds. Sam Burns is the best. Fowler, List, Adam Long. I feel like Adam Long shows up once every five weeks and actually has a decent performance. He was 21st last week. He's made four of his past five cuts too. Huh. He's a PGA Tour winner, Pat. He's going to show up every five weeks. Of hey, course when, he is. when you win at 600 to one, this is what happens. But... <laughs> Maybe I'm not as anti Adam Long as I may have thought. He's 6,900 bucks too. Bubba, Matt Jones, T Dunks, Tower Duncan, Poston, Hama, Gary Woodland, Dylon Fratelli are the top 10 in terms of Eagles gained over that long range. Do you have any thoughts on Matt Jones? I saw actually Matt Jones on Twitter talking about Matt Jones. <laughs> wow, it's, that's awesome. Um, no, I honestly, I, I really don't have much uh, opinion one way or another on Matt Jones. He's one of those guys that gains all of his strokes off the tee and loses them all through approach. He's the anti Sean Stephanie. Oh, great. Yeah, exactly the type of player we're looking for this week. Yeah, Not. Th- throw him into that bucket with uh, Bubba and List and Kokrak. And hey, you got a team that's going to miss the cut going. I was going to say, you're going to have an, you're going to have an O for six, uh, come, come Friday evening. All right. So let's whittle this down to the guys that we especially like. If you had to pick three guys that you wanted to make like cornerstones this week, it's going to be DJ for me, Charlie Hoffman for me, probably Jason Duffner. Okay. Uh, I like those. I, I, I would probably go with DJ. Um, I'm, I'm pretty interested in Ryan Moore again. I think I'm going to go back to that. And then I'll go further down the list and um, I will actually, I'll go super deep. I'll take Andrew Landry. I really, really like the spot for him this week. All right. So I'm going to be in on Landry from down in that range. What's my player pool up to now? My player pool is up to 17 players. That's probably add maybe one more. What, when you play 20 lineups, how many guys, because I know you use the cascading. Uh, yeah. And if I'm really going to commit to one of these very top end guys, my lineups are actually going to kind of mirror that because I'll have a bunch of DJ or a bunch of this, basically the same three to four guys in that 9K area, and the rest might get evenly distributed down the list outside of the really core guys that I like. But uh, if I play Wolf, I'll probably have two of 20 lineups with Wolf. Or if I play Landry, two of 20 lineups with Landry instead of making like right. eight with Landry and then just avoiding everyone else in the sixes. Yeah, so my player pool with the core cascade, so I'll have uh, basically six guys in almost every lineup, then I'll sprinkle in. So it ends up being like 20 to 24 players, but six of them are in like 80% of the lineups. Okay, I like it. And people can learn more about the cascading core at dfsondemand.com. 
Yep. And there's some videos. The Rick Rungood YouTube channel has a video from a couple weeks ago when um, Cantlay won the Memorial and then uh, from last year's Masters uh, where I used it as well. All right. Cool. Rick Run Good YouTube channel. You can find Rick on there and at DFS on demand on Twitter and at DF or at www. You can't don't remember the dot. DFSondemand.com. Check out Rick's site. Rick, thanks for being on today. Yeah, much appreciated, Pat. Well, I'm sure we'll uh, talk soon. Thanks, sir. Yeah, of course. Now that you got all this time on your hands, uh, yeah. we'll be talking golf all the time. I'm Pat Mayo. You can it. follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the PME. If you're looking for the Listener's League link, it's on Facebook and in the description of the podcast, not on YouTube. So if you're on YouTube, you got to do an extra 10 seconds of work. I know it's tough. I know. But, hey, that's how you get into the league. Uh, it's $15 to enter, three max entry. The best tournament on DraftKings. It is freak-free, so you might want to play in that one. Become a member at FantasyNational.com right now for all the tools, all the stats. I've been talking about the lineup generator, the customizable model, the mixed condition model, the tournament simulator. All the tools are available on the monthly membership, which takes you through the British Open. So best to get acclimated with the system right now, learn how to use them. By the time those millionaire makers come around, boom! You're ready to go. Maybe win a million bucks. Probably not. But, you know, you might win. If you play in it, you might win. Who knows? Anyway, I'm Pat Mayer. You can check out the cheat sheet up on DKPlaybook.com. Just like all the podcasts and all the videos, they're up there as well. Pat Mayo, thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.